Welcome to Across Acoustics, the official podcast of the Acoustical Society of America's Publications Office. On this podcast, we will highlight research from our four publications. I'm your host, Kat Setzer, Editorial Associate for the ASA. Today I'm talking with Chiara Vicentin about her article, Indoor Soundscape in Primary School Classrooms, which published recently in JAZA and is part of the special issue on Advances in Soundscape, Emerging Trends and Challenges in Research and Practice. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me today, Chiara. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you very much for the invitation. (laughs) First, just tell us a bit about your research background. I am currently a research fellow at the University of Ferrara in Italy. My research uh, covers the indoor soundscape, uh, the acoustic comfort of built spaces, and the interactions and cross-defects between different domains of the indoor environmental quality on the occupant's perception. I took my PhD in engineering sciences at the University of Ferrara, where I worked for several years as a postdoc, and afterwards uh, I worked uh, as a senior researcher at Europe Research. During these years, I focus on room acoustics and on the effect of the indoor sound environment on the occupants, uh, with specific reference to their comfort, performance, and uh, cognitive effort while doing a task. One of my key focuses was the acoustic design of learning spaces, and this is because uh, students, and young students in particular, are among the most vulnerable categories to the effects of challenging listening conditions. And I believe that there is still research and work that we can do for creating acoustic conditions that support the students' uh, learning, social, and emotional development during their time at school. Yeah, totally. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you've ever walked into a school and how loud they are and crazy they are, I can imagine you. it's very important to help reduce the effect of that on kids' learning. So what makes up the environmental quality of a space? So the, the indoor environmental quality is made up by four main aspects, visual, thermal, acoustic, and air quality. And uh, all these aspects together concur in determining the human response to an indoor environment. Uh, so as a matter of fact, uh, we, we don't perceive the world around us uh, as a sum of independent stimuli, that our perception is inherently multimodal. So it means that when we enter an indoor space, when when we enter a room, the impression that we have, the perception, is is determined by the combination of several sensory stimuli that are experienced simultaneously, all all at the same time. Oftentimes, uh, there is a specific uh, quality of the indoor environment that sort of stands out and influences the most the occupant's satisfaction or annoyance. And, uh, for instance, this is the case of the classrooms in primary schools, as the students report that the aspect that mostly play a role in the perception and in comfort of the classroom environment is uh, the acoustic quality, and specifically the background noise inside of the classroom. Okay. What's known about classroom acoustical environments up until now, and how does thinking about the classroom acoustical environment as a soundscape differ from previous thinking about classroom acoustics? There are numerous studies on the effects of background noise and reverberation on students' performance and comfort in classrooms that have been conducted since the middle of the 20th century. So definitely the interest in classroom acoustics is something recent. 
But all these studies usually adopt the viewpoint of reducing the background noise in the classroom as much as possible. So every sound in the classroom is considered as something unwanted and stressful for both students and the teachers. And recently, there is a, a complementary viewpoint that is emerging, which is based on the studies on the indoor soundscape of residential buildings and offices. And the, the concept of soundscape of an outdoor or an indoor space refers to how the sound environment is perceived by the occupants while they're doing a task. So the focus is no longer or not only on physical measurements, but the focus shifts toward the human perception. And when talking about classroom acoustics, adopting this like new viewpoint means that we can manage and design the sound stimuli in order to elicit a positive school climate. And um, the idea is to design supportive learning environments, not only by removing all the environmental stressors, but also by pursuing in a proactive way the uh, psychological, cognitive, social well-being of the students. Okay, yeah, that sounds great. So what research has been done to apply the soundscape concept to indoor learning environments? There are only a few studies using the soundscape approach in educational building, and they focused on uh, libraries, classrooms, and laboratories of high schools and universities. So they focus on students older than 13 years. There are no studies adopting the soundscape concept with reference to younger students, like primary school students. And this is quite surprising, given the importance of the acoustic environment uh, of learning spaces for young children compared to older students, uh, as uh, young children are still developing their cognitive and linguistic skills. This is not to say that there are no studies on the perception that primary school students have of their classrooms, but the, the studies, the existing studies, focus on the dimension of, of annoyance and the negative effects of exposure to noise. On the contrary, adopting a soundscape approach, we want to assess how children negatively but also positively respond to the sound environment of the classroom. Okay, so you're looking not just that noise equals bad, but there are sounds that might improve their experience or ways to change the noise to improve their experience and that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, that's it. So you kind of touched on this a bit, but how does judging a soundscape based on a child's perspective differ from judging based on an adult's perspective? So soundscape studies have been uh, most of them performed with adults. And so the dimensions of soundscape perception have been developed only with reference to adult listeners. But uh, when we talk about perceptual patterns, uh, there are differences between adults and the children as these patterns change following the developmental stages. For example, from a physiological point of view, there are differences in how children and adults respond to sounds at high frequencies. And from a psychological point of view, children have less experience and awareness of the sound environment than adults. And um, also, they might have more difficulty than adults in communicating about sound stimuli. And we also know that whereas adults respond to the sound environment according to 
two main dimensions, that are perceived presentness and arousal, children tend to describe emotions mainly in terms of pleasantness. And the, the, the last aspect to take into account is the fact that children have a limited vocabulary to support their reporting. So when we ask them about their perception of the sound environment, it's crucial to use concepts and dimensions that match as much as possible their limited vocabulary. Okay. Yeah, that all makes sense, and it's a lot to kind of take into consideration. So what were the goals of this study? Okay, this was a pilot study, and we had three goals in, uh, in mind. The first one was to investigate how primary school children perceive the sound environment of their classrooms by adopting the concepts, the methodologies, and the perceptual dimensions typical of soundscape studies. And the second goal was to investigate the relationship between the students' perception of the classroom sound environment and the acoustic parameters of this indoor space. And finally, we wanted to explore the characteristics of the ideal soundscape. So we wanted to understand what are the sounds that the children would like to hear in their optimal sound scenario. Okay, got it. You kind of talked a little bit about how kids have a limited vocabulary to discuss their perceptions. You used questionnaires to get information about students' feelings regarding the classroom soundscape. Can you tell us about those questionnaires? Yeah, we, we adopted a, a pictorial scale to assess classroom soundscape. And uh, this choice was based on previous studies with young children, um, indicating that um, non-verbal rating systems can, can be useful to overcome the, the, the children's limited vocabulary. So we use this pictorial scale that uses uh, facial expressions or body reactions to represent in a clear visual manner the emotions elicited by the sound stimuli, for instance, the concept of uh, arousal in our study. And um, the whole questionnaire consisted of four sections. The first one assessed the, some demographic information. The second one focused on the affective reactions of the children to the sound environment of the classroom with both uh, open or closed windows. And this third section assessed the frequency of occurrence and the presentness of specific sound sources in the classroom. And finally, the last section referred to the ideal soundscape in the classroom. Interesting. That sounds like such a fun way to set up a questionnaire as far as the pictures go. So you assessed a few different classrooms and schools. Can you tell us about the different settings? Yeah, we had uh, three primary schools in the study. All of them were located in Italy. They belonged to different urban contexts. So one of the schools was in the historic city center. The other one was in the modern city. And the last one was in the outskirts. So there were quite large differences in the outdoor sound environment. For instance, the presence of traffic noise or the presence of anthropogenic sounds. And um, also within each school, we assessed the classrooms located in different areas of the school buildings. So we had the classrooms on different floors and uh, with different orientations. Okay, very cool. So let's talk about some of the results. How did open versus closed windows end up affecting the soundscape? So we asked the student to report on their perception of the sound environment in two conditions. 
with closed and open windows. That's because all the schools participating in our experiment were naturally ventilated buildings. So opening the window was the only means that students and teachers had to ensure a proper indoor air quality. And this simple act of opening the windows changes the sound environment of the classroom, leading the students to greater exposure to external sound sources, and so uh, it uh, affects uh, the indoor soundscape. We found that when windows are open, the perceived loudness increases for all the classrooms, that was expected, of course, but we also found the differences in the perception of the pleasantness dimension, which mainly depends on the urban context of the school, so being located in areas more or less exposed to traffic noise. Specifically, students in classrooms with an outdoor environment more characterized by traffic noise experience a decrease in pleasantness when opening the windows. On the contrary, the same pleasantness or an increased pleasantness is reported during natural ventilation in classrooms that are located in less exposed areas. For instance, classrooms facing natural outdoor setting. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, listening to ambulances or traffic, like you said, would not be nearly as pleasant sounding as just having, you know, wind and animals and such. Okay, so... What factors did you find affected the children's perception of pleasantness and arousal in the classroom? Concerning pleasantness, the results of our study confirmed that perceived pleasantness decreases when the overall sound level increases. And once again, this was expected. But we also found that the rating of pleasantness was positively related to the frequency of occurrence of children's voices in nearby classrooms. In other words, we found that classrooms eliciting a positive perceptual outcome are quiet but not completely silent spaces, as some sounds generated by other children in the school should still be, let's say, audible. Concerning arousal, we found that it increases when the students are exposed to specific sound sources external to the classroom, such as sirens or voices from other students, and these are some sources that generate uh, either silent sounds, for instance, intelligible words, or sounds that deviate from the main auditory context. So these are all sounds with a, a strong attentional capturing potential. And we know that the young children are especially vulnerable to this type of distraction because they are still developing their attentional skills. Okay. So you discussed the ideal soundscape for the students. What are the features of this type of soundscape? Why is it important to consider? We found that nature-related sounds were highly preferred by the students, closely followed by music, whereas anthropogenic sounds, like the graphing, were the least preferred. And uh, so we found that uh, when directly asked, children expressed the preference for sound stimuli that are able to promote calmness and restoration in the classroom. And we know from other studies, both in the lab and in the field, that exposure to natural sounds has a positive effect on comfort, on learning, and it also has a restorative effect on memory and attention. So, once again, 
The children in our study indicated that the ideal sound environment of the classroom is not completely silent. And this finding reinforces the idea that the current approach, based only on noise control, does not always define a learning sound environment of high quality. That is so interesting. What were your major takeaways about current classroom soundscapes? The results of, of this pilot study indicate that children perceive to be exposed to unpleasant sounds when they are in school. And also, the sounds that they perceive to occur more frequently in the classroom are those generated by the children themselves, so voices and movements. And uh, it seems like there is a greater attention on the sounds generated inside the classroom compared to sounds generated outside, so other uh, spaces within the school or the outdoor. And we also found evidences of an interaction between the urban context of the school and the children's perceived pleasantness. And this interaction becomes apparent each time the windows are open to ensure ventilation. And in perspective, this finding has implications for the selection of the best ventilation strategies to be adopted in its classroom, depending on its location in the school building. Oh, okay. Interesting. Any thoughts on how you'd like to expand on this research in the future? Yeah, I have plenty of ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. The next step will be to develop a classroom indoor soundscape model that is tailored to primary school students, both in the graphical form and in the concepts and the dimensions, the perceptual dimensions that are targeted. Also, future research on this topic, so the soundscape approach to learning spaces, should consider the the always increasing presence of children with special hearing and communication needs in mainstream classrooms. Because we know the students with uh, special educational needs uh, are differentially affected by non-adequate classroom acoustic conditions. So it's fundamental, it's crucial to, to broaden the assessment of the classroom soundscape to all the students uh, learning in the classroom. If we want to have the final aim to design a classroom acoustic environment that could work uh, for all of them. Okay. It's really interesting to consider how a young child's perception of the sound in the space might differ from what an older student or an adult might perceive as well as how improving a learning environment might not just mean getting rid of all noise, but thinking of ways to increase pleasantness or calmness in the classroom setting. Thank you again for taking the time to speak with me, and I wish the best of luck to you on your future research. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you for tuning into Across Acoustics. If you would like to hear more interviews from our authors about their research, please subscribe and find us on your preferred podcast platform. 